My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you too go into my vineyard and I will give you what is just. So they went off and he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, why do you stand idle all day? They answered, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, They thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Imagine if that landowner in this parable were an actual employer at a business here in the United States in 2023. Someone who had hired individuals at the start of the day, throughout the day, at the end of the day, and gave everyone the same exact pay for the day. How do you think that would go over? You can imagine the reaction. There would be social media hysteria, maybe even calls demanding government intervention as people scream how this situation is just colossally unfair. And they'd have a point. We can't shake that human reaction, putting ourselves in the shoes of the landowners who worked all day, seeing people coming on the job at the last hour and getting the same exact payment feeling slighted, unappreciated, taken advantage of, or thinking the owner's got to be foolish or just a chump. Having Jesus propose this is how God behaves, there's this temptation to make St. Teresa Avila's words our own. If this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few of them. It's not fair. Or at least it doesn't seem so to so many of us. 
Jesus uses this parable as a response to another one of Simon Peter's questions that came right before this gospel passage. After having the the cost and the difficulty of discipleship being spelled out again, you have to give it to our man, St. Peter, who always asks the tough questions that no one else is brave enough to ask or stupid enough to ask. In short, Peter asks, what's in this for us? All the good we do, all the things we've given up, is it going to be worth it in the end, Jesus? And then Jesus responds with this parable. No doubt it left a lot of them even more confused than they were before. Now they had seen Jesus perform amazing miracles. They had experienced Jesus' miracles themselves. Yet he seems to keep reminding them of how deep the cost of discipleship is speaking and seeming riddles, the path to heaven being narrow and hard to navigate, taking up your cross and following him, the need to lose your life in order to find it. It doesn't make sense to them. We can hear their frustration and we can feel it ourselves. It brought to mind this story of a woman named Gianna Beretta Mola, who I just heard about this for the first time, really, this, this past summer. Born in 1922 in Italy, not far from Milan, she was one of 13 children, of which only eight would survive to adulthood. And one of those tragic losses happened when Gianna was only 14 years old and her 26-year-old sister tragically died. Young Gianna found comfort in praying in church in front of the Blessed Sacrament in the Rosary and started just to take her her faith more seriously. And on a retreat soon after all this, she first learned how to align her daily life experiences with her faith life. Until then, she had really struggled in school with academics. She was failing in some of her classes, had to repeat some some of them in, in summer school. So on this retreat, she first learned about this concept of offering it up, looking at school, this thing she had to do, this thing she disliked and struggled, but trying to choose to do the best she could and offering it out of love for Jesus. Soon after, at age 15, she she wrote, Jesus, I promise you to submit myself to all that you permit to befall me. Make me only know your will. She wrote that at 15, which became foundational for her life. And now with this new vision, renewed in her faith, her grades started to turn around, and before long, she found herself near the top of her class. And despite struggling with her own physical health issues and dealing with the reality of another world war breaking out around her, she pursued a medical career eventually becoming a a well-respected doctor, specializing in pediatrics, treating children and their moms. Gianna saw her job as more than just a job. She saw it as an opportunity to make God known and loved and served in every corner of life. And she once described it writing on a, a prescription pad. This is a priestly mission. Just as priests can touch Jesus... We doctors touch Jesus in the bodies of our patients, in the poor, in the young, the old, and children. 
Jesus makes himself seen in our midst. And as respected and despite all the good that she was doing in this part of northern Italy, she felt this pull to join her brother, a priest named Father Alberto, who was doing missionary work in Brazil. He had been writing letters to her and sharing his inability to help so many women who were in need of medical care. And Gianna saw this as like a divine assignment, like everything was coming together for her to fulfill. She grew more and more excited about this and figured this is how God had set everything up all along for her and just became more and more excited as she started to dream about this mission to Brazil. Yet she kept encountering obstacle after obstacle that seemingly made it more and more impossible. It got to the point that the priests and bishops who knew her and whom she had gone to for guidance and that she trusted a great deal had to make her recognize that despite this real fire and drive that she had in her heart for this, it seemed like the Lord was making clear that this wasn't the road he was calling her to follow. So she had to set that dream aside and just offered this latest disappointment as another sacrifice to God. But in the meantime, God was working behind the scenes. It was revealing to her what would be her greatest joy, her treasured vocation. Her future husband, Pietro Mola, lived right across the street from her medical practice. Gianna and Pietro had been so absorbed in their careers that they had hardly ever noticed one another, even though they had bumped into each other on several occasions. When a mutual friend of both of them was ordained a priest, they once again found their paths crossing as they attended his first Mass and began to finally see each other again, and eventually they fell in love. And their relationship grew, and the two began to dream of married life together. Imagine the joy of welcoming all these little souls into their lives as being the greatest of privileges, which they experienced with the birth of three children within the first three years of their marriage. So their home was full of joy and little feet as Pietro and Gianna kept trying to balance full-time jobs as being an engineer and being a doctor while also trying to attend to their family. Pietro started to worry that his wife's selflessness was spreading her too thin, while at the same time he knew how near and dear her callings as both a doctor as well as being a wife and a mother were to her. But listening to his loving concerns, she promised that after their fourth child was born, she said, I will stop being a doctor, I will just be a mama. It was during this fourth pregnancy that she developed a tumor that started to cause great pain and distress and pose potential risks for her and her unborn child. Being a doctor, she understood the risks better than most. As a staunch defender of life, and of the sacredness of life, abortion was unthinkable. They could attempt a different procedure, which most likely would have also resulted in losing the baby, or they could do a surgical procedure to try to remove the tumor, which would allow the pregnancy to continue, but at best would result in a challenging and painful labor and delivery. For Gianna, there was no option. The surgery was successful, and things progressed relatively normal for the remaining six months. And Gianna would go into labor on Good Friday, April 20th, 1962, 
and things started normally. But as the labor continued, the delivery was more and more delayed. And the possibility of losing both the mother and the baby kept increasing with each passing hour. So the doctors determined that they had to perform a C-section, which saw baby Gianna and Manuela being born healthy. But Gianna, the mom, her health immediately started to decline. She was just overcome with this infection and became weaker and weaker with each passing day. Realizing she was beyond the point of saving, she asked if she could go home so that she could die peacefully with her family, which she did on April 28th. It's not fair. Who would blame anyone for thinking that? Here's this devout, selfless woman, and to die leaving her husband and her four babies, not to mention the countless number of people who relied on her as a, as a doctor, as a woman of faith, to leave all of them behind. On a very human level, in our tit-for-tat world, where we're constantly reduced to, to comparisons and evaluating how much someone else is getting and where I'm getting overlooked, you could argue that what happened to Gianna just wasn't right, which is why her story came to mind with today's gospel. When we think about these laborers in the vineyard, not everyone puts in the same effort or works the same hours, yet they all get the same pay. It doesn't seem right. But what Jesus is trying to get through to Peter and the 11 who are kind of thinking of themselves as somewhat special and being named apostles and are imagining that this translates into some perks or some extras either now or at some point, Jesus is telling Peter the most significant thing, the most incredible moment for him was when he heard Jesus call him to follow him and Peter did. The thing that mattered the most was being with Jesus. That Jesus in him alone was the only thing that was going to bring fulfillment and fill the, the deepest longings and hopes and dreams that Peter had in his heart. And as soon as Peter and the others who were thinking all these things but were keeping their mouths shut as all this is going on, as soon as they all understood that and appreciated that, well, then their only hope would be that others would come to discover that truth themselves too. That they would be excited that others came to know and to love Jesus. That they didn't miss this opportunity to know how meaningless life was, how meaningless life is without him. The only thing that mattered and that matters is discovering Jesus now and for all eternity. That's why saints like Gianna are so important for us. Because her life and her death and her eternal life give us a real-life example and a witness. We can hear and imagine the pains and the setbacks and the trials and the tribulations that went on throughout that life of hers. Things that, understandably, she could have been upset or discouraged over. Things that caused fear and anxiety or sadness. Losing five siblings... That's unimaginable. Struggling with health issues, 
and feeling like a failure in school, that's challenging for any one of us. Thinking that you found your dream, your purpose in life, and then coming to realize it can't possibly come true, it's got to be crushing for anyone. Just because we're hearing this as like a biography of a saint, we can't whitewash the reality that these were painful and difficult things for Gianna, just as it would be for any one of us. And no doubt, some of those prayers that she had might have sounded more like cries, mixed with doubts and confusion and anger. But what makes a saint a saint is their perseverance in the tears. What makes a saint a saint is even when things happen in life that you can legitimately argue, cry, and scream, it's not fair, is that they don't lose sight of God, which is something more important than being fair. He is what we sang in that psalm today. He's gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger, of great kindness. He's good and compassionate toward all his works. He's just in all his ways and holy in all his works. The saints don't have answers to why bad things happen to good people or good things happen to bad people or anything happens to anyone any more than the rest of us do, and all those philosophical paradoxes that often trip us up and cause us distress. But because they believe all those things about God and they lean into them when confronted with difficulties, they find the Lord is near to all who call upon him. At Gianna's wake and funeral, stories of countless lives that were were touched by her, by her extraordinary dedication to God and her faith demonstrated in her love and care to her family and to massive numbers of patients, just drew these vast crowds of people to come to the funeral. And they said that the funeral was just so beautiful, it caused countless people to go to confession that single day. They were just that moved. People began calling her a saint right then and there. And that conviction didn't stop after the funeral. Years after her death, after numerous people insisted she was a saint, the local bishop asked her husband Pietro for for permission to officially open her cause for canonization. And one of the conditions for a person to be declared a saint is when people can connect two miracles to this person's individual intercession. So in 1969, A young mother, after complications from a difficult labor and delivery, lay dying in a hospital. And the doctors were scrambling. They were trying to get her to a specialized hospital that could possibly save her. They doubted she would even survive the trip. And one of the nurses, who was a a religious nun, happened to have a small photo of Gianna with her. And she began asking for her intercession. And immediately, to the astonishment of the doctors, the woman was cured. There wasn't a trace of the tear that hours earlier they had begun worrying how they were going to surgically replace that and repair it. And doctors had no explanation for it other than it being a miracle. The second miracle involved a mother who, like Gianna, was pregnant with her fourth child, who was also experiencing all kinds of complications that, that seemed to threaten the lives of both mother and child, and whose doctors were insisting that Abortion was the only path forward. The local bishop suggested asking for Gianna's prayers 
And despite all kinds of challenges and, and threats, both mother and baby Gianna Maria was born safely and healthy and made a perfect recovery. Oh, and both those miracles took place in Brazil in the hospital started by Gianna's brother, Father Alberto, the very place she had wanted to serve as a missionary alongside her brother. The dream that she had to set aside painfully during her earthly life in more miraculous ways, she was able to accomplish even greater things in her eternal life in heaven. It isn't fair. Life, that is. We can all bring legitimate lists of things as evidence to that, that back that statement up. And Jesus hasn't come to make things fair. The crucifix is always set before us as God shows us what the world will ultimately do, even to him. But Jesus, as God himself, proves once again how good God is by suffering that for each one of us and promising that those who take up their crosses in this life and follow him, follow his way, trusting that he desires our good now and always, will know his great love and will come to discover he's the only thing that matters. And when that finally clicks, we will only want everyone else to come to know and experience that truth themselves.